It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Dustin Hawkinsmith here from Penn Live. We're with your, uh, another episode of the Penn Live Wrestling Podcast. We've got the Sanction PA crew with us uh, to talk about this movement, where it's it's come from, where it's going, and uh, and what the challenges and and surprises have been along the way. So, Brooke Zumas, chairwoman, woman of Sanction PA, Chris Atkinson from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania USA Wrestling, and Sanction PA, Joe Stabilito from Pennsylvania USA Wrestling, Daniel Heckert, uh, head coach at North Allegheny. Kevin Franklin, uh, head coach from J.P. McCaskey. John Mitchell, athletic director from J.P. McCaskey. Pat Tossi, athletic director now at Penn Manor, formerly of the National Wrestling Coaches Association. Uh, I don't believe I've missed anybody. So we'll just make our rounds here, guys. I appreciate you all taking some time at the same time uh, to discuss this. I think, and I told Brooke this, this is really history in the making. You know, I, I think the effort to get this started, how close everybody is now. You guys knew, I, I think, deep down you were in the process of doing it, but your nose went to the grindstone the whole time. Um, and I, I want to go back to January 2020 when the conversations really started to begin about organizing uh, and about, I'm sure in your wildest dreams, you could maybe see a scenario where you are, are at right now, but Pat, why don't you take me back to January 2020 and the idea to to form this task force, uh, where that conversation began, how quickly it came together? Because in, in about three months, you had a name and you had an organization. But I just want to hear about those early conversations, how you went about suggesting or requesting or asking people uh, how you pick people to, to get involved in this. Yeah, I think actually it probably was even earlier than that, probably November or December of before that January started. And really, I think there was a lot of efforts in Pennsylvania to try to get girls wrestling started. I think Pennsylvania USA Wrestling was working on some efforts with Joe Stavolito and Chris you know, Atkinson with those regards. Um, and then I think a little bit of it was kind of coming up back and just kind of sketching out on paper, just some different concept idea of saying, okay, what's a different way to attack this with the PIAA? And what's their roadmap to giving us to what is it going to take to get girls wrestling sanctioned in Pennsylvania? And one of the things that I learned a lot from working at the National Wrestling Coaches Association was the more you can do collaborative effort, the farther you can get down the road with things. So the idea of it in the early time was, okay, let's look at this and say, let's pull in every major wrestling group that's that's based in the state of Pennsylvania. Let's get them all together. Let's then look at some key coaches key administrators, uh, athletic directors, principals. I think there was a couple of conversations in there early with John Mitchell, myself, and Kevin Franklin at his favorite place, 551 West, place where a lot of business gets, wrestling business gets done. Some concept ideas, just kind of looking at what the PIA was doing. Um, 
John had a lot of experience there as an athletic director and knew a lot of things. You know, I had experience with the coaches association. And then in January, we had this meeting with, um, you know, the PIAA. Um, I think it was around January. Um, that's when Brooke got involved with the association as well. I think we started to get all these groups starting to talk, just kind of informal discussion, conversations amongst everyone of getting Chris and Joe, Pennsylvania USA Wrestling, the Pennsylvania Wrestling Hall of Fame, and starting to get all these groups to start in the talk. And then it was that initial conversation, I think, in January with the PIA and Mark Byers that really sprung things, I think, really forward. And it was a really good you know, positive conversation where it was like, hey, we don't want to be against you. We want to work with you on how to get girls wrestling sanctioned, but we're not going to change what our bylaws, we're not going to change this, but we'll here to help support you. And then I think it was just kind of going from there, getting Brooke in that role of being the chair of this was such a key component of this entire movement. You know, you had a really good person who has that personality to draw everyone together and I think everyone, the nice thing about this, it was such a good collaborative effort. And everybody, when we came together, had the same goal in mind. And that was, we want to see girls wrestling. We don't care who gets the credit. We're all going to work together. And we're all going to put our nose to the grindstone and do it. And so it was just such a neat, it was one of the most proud things I've ever been involved, where you just see people put their ego aside and know to come together for what was the goal. And that was to try to get girls wrestling sanctioned in Pennsylvania. Uh, Brooke, I'll kick it to you for for this, and and I think it was a theme that Pat brought up. Just the recognition of saying, okay, the PIAA, we don't necessarily agree with this or that or that bylaw or this bylaw, but how important was the recognition to be allies in this process and respect their process and not jump on the the bandwagon of kind of hating on the PIAA because they hear that plenty. How important was it to be in a cooperative relationship from the jump in order to walk through these steps together? Because it was going to be hard enough in, in lockstep, let alone butting heads on, on the issue. For us, I think it was the key to the whole equation, um, because I truly think you could have argued, you know, the PIAA for the next 100 years. And I don't know that that bylaw would have changed. You know, each state is different. So some states, you might be able to get that change. But like Pat said, I think once we realized that's that's not a real option on the table, the only way forward is to really get 100 schools um, that really changed the game just by committing to that. And it changed our frame of reference that, hey, we can still push for changing the bylaws. You know, if you want to sanction tomorrow, nobody's going to argue with you. But in the meantime, um, let's let's actually make things happen. And in retrospect, I think every single one of us, I mean, one, we're glad we did it because now we're at a hundred schools and we're going to get sanctioned. But um, I think we actually are so glad that we took that approach also because an infrastructure was built. And while we had, I think some idea about that at the beginning, you know, we knew it would take time, but I don't know that we knew exactly what these three years would entail. Um, but just the way it has all come together, I, I think we'd all say there is a true infrastructure now. Like this sport is really secure. They did not just sanction it with, you know, 100 girls out there and no plan. Um, we really have an awesome foundation for continued growth. And, um, you know, without that, again, it would have been tough. But But because of all this, we have that. So, 
in the end, hey, maybe it all worked out. <laughs> uh, Chris Atkinson, um, the social media maven, any, anybody who, and I presume all these are, are yours, when an announcement goes out, like absolute clockwork, a graphic goes out, it's, it's out on Instagram, it's out on Facebook, it's out on Twitter. You are a gentleman who you coach wrestling, you have a family, you take uh, at least one of your daughters to the sa same cheer stuff that I take my daughter to. So I know firsthand how busy your life is and really how busy all your lives are to, to take this on. But um, Chris, the, the early day, what stands out to you about the early days of it? And I'm curious, um, just having school number one, I don't want to say in your back pocket necessarily, but knowing that John Mitchell, you know, the powerhouse that he's been for girls wrestling for a quarter of a century, uh, what was going to get on board, but just the, the early days and, and getting school number one on board, how significant was that to try to get at least some bit of forward momentum going here? So back in 2018, we, we really started seeing the momentum nationwide take off, right? A lot of states really started diving into the process. So Joe Stabilito and I met, and I was women's director at the time. Joe was chairman of uh, Pennsylvania Wrestling, still is. And, and we had a conversation like, okay, well, what are we going to do for Pennsylvania? So uh, we met, we started talking to folks at USA Wrestling. We actually met with Mark Byers, and he discussed with us at that time the 100 Schools Initiative. Um, and talking to folks about, at USA Wrestling, th that's really unheard of anywhere else in the country at the time, right? Everybody else pretty much just went to their state associations. They they preached girls wrestling, and they were immediately on board. You know, states right around us, like New Jersey, they went, they briefed their state association, they got their state association right on board, they got girls wrestling blessings. Like, well, God, we got to be able to get that done, and we kept working hard through USA Wrestling to try and accomplish that. So fast forward into late 2018, we hear about John Mitchell, and I didn't know him at the time. I think Joe knew of him a little bit. And uh, John, as everybody knows, is, you know, the godfather of girls wrestling in Pennsylvania, um, not self-proclaimed. A lot of people give him that title, though. And um, I reached out to John through email. I had never met him before, and he, he told me exactly that. He said, listen, I've, I've talked to PIAA as well. We're going to have to get to 100 schools. That's how it's going to have to be done. And Joe and I were kind of stubborn. It's like, well, wait a minute. Nobody else in the country is doing it this way. We, we're listening to USA Wrestling, right? This is this is the model. This is how it has to be done. And we, we tried marching forward with that, and there was just no budge, no momentum. PIAA flat out wanted to see the infrastructure built for the ground up. They wanted 100 schools. They wanted the girls built up. And... Not that, you know, we, we we talked our tail and, you know, ran away from, from the issue, but like we really got discouraged with that. And I think that led right to the birth of Sanction PA. It's like, listen, you know, we, unlike any other state in the country, we're going to have to go grassroots. We're going to have to get our hands dirty and we're going to have to grow this thing. We're really going to have to work hard. And, and really about that times when Pat, Brooke and the whole Sanction PA initiative came along and we did. We all just uh, joined together collaboratively. We got our hands dirty and we did the work that had to be done. Joe, I wanted to get your thought on this process of, of not budging from a hundred uh, and how daunting that feels and how, and how long of a road that felt like it was going to be. And it really turned out to be uh, went quicker than I thought it was going to be. That's still a daunting task. 
But now we're sitting here with 100 plus schools. We're sitting here. It's been approved on first reading by the PIAA. Like this is on the doorstep. To what extent is there a blessing in all this legwork in that, you know, a lot of things are, are worked out that might not have been fully worked out had you not had that meet that 100 schools initiative? Well, I, I think it's, you know, everybody here, it's been a blessing to, to work with this group, first of all. And, it, it, you know, I, I sat back, like Chris said, and looked at this thing and said, geez, we're never going to get this done. It's never going to happen. And, and this committee was formed and I saw the light. I, I actually was getting positive and, and getting positive vibes and thinking, hey, this is great. We're doing the right things. We're sticking to the, the rules and we're making headway, you know. We're not fighting the PIA. We're, we're trying to be, you know, play nice with them. And, you know, and, and it worked out. And it was, you know, as we kept building, it got more and more excitement. Uh, you know, I, I started, I guess, John, I, I started like in 1995 uh, with Pennsylvania Wrestling, Feder Amateur Wrestling Federation. And I got on their board around 2000 and probably 2000, 2001, I suggested a girls championship and the entire board laughed at me like girls what championship what are you talking about uh, and i continued to push that you know and now it's like wow look what happened and i i you know i still every time somebody says you got 100 i'm like yeah now we need more but it's great i, I feel great about the whole thing so uh bob lombardi made it pretty clear the 100 school celebration turned into another daunting task as he's yeah. say, as he's saying we got to get 472 now yeah, yeah. And everybody, everybody's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get right on that one. But I think there is some truth to um, momentum building as the number grows, you know, getting school one to school 10, you know, and once there was some um, action and once there were some sort of pioneers, so to speak, uh, it seems like business has really picked up. And, and I do sense, you know, statewide, especially the coaches in my area here, uh, where there, there's been so much on the girls wrestling front coming along, uh, is they're feeling the urgency, like we better start doing something now, or we're going to be left behind. Like that's the feeling now. And I think that's part of the, the thing that sanction PA created. Um, Dan, I wanted to, uh, just get your experience and, and Kevin as well, the formation of a team. You know, and, and I think to, to some extent, you know, getting to 100 schools, for example, was a finish line, but it was also the start of a brand new race. And I think for you, getting approval for a girls team is the finish line, but it's also the start of a race. Just walk me through um, what that's what the business of being on an approved uh, girls wrestling team means. What has surprised you along the way to what extent, you know, especially out West, do you feel like, you know, you're representing the girls wrestling movement and you're trying to get others on board too. Um, yeah, it was first. I, it goes back to John Mitchell. Um, our whole outline of how we developed and proposed our team was based off of John Mitchell's proposal at McCaskey. So again, it's, it's the group working together of, Hey, this is what we did and let's use it. And ultimately we've spun that off and numerous schools have, have, have used it, but it, it, it was, it was, you know, daunting is the word I like to look at of, I joined this task force. I don't know. A day or two before the world shut down um yeah i didn't meet many of these in the in fact i didn't i've i did not meet a single one of these on the board 
until our girls state tournament the fall pretty much the following year um yeah. because we were working virtually and that that was one of the challenges is you know we we you know both with you know mccaskey and myself we formed teams during the shutdown there was no practices there was there was nothing going on and we were going a lot on on faith and it's not like we had these established programs um i had no girls in my program when when we formed the uh the team and and it's but it's been because of this grassroots movement and, and the power that sanction pa has had um that we we have grown and we wouldn't have the success at north allegheny we wouldn't have the numbers we had if we didn't form a team you know i've got 12 girls right now and only one of them would be wrestling if we if we didn't have a girls team one of them would be wrestling that's because she'd been wrestling her whole whole life um all other 11 are out because we have a girls team and i think that's one of the powers of the of forming a girls team is that that gives them an outlet these girls are not going to come out of the woodworks and 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 try girls wrestling if there's not an avenue for for them and and that's what forming a team does it it gives them their identity um and shows them that that there's there's a bond there and there's something there to work for dan you just you just kind of spelled out what the piwa has turned i'm sure on your end multiple multiple times the chicken and the egg argument. <laughs> yes. You know, what, co- what comes first? And I, and I, and I do think, you know, you're, you're trying to bring both things along opportunity and participation kind of making them go hand in hand. Um, Kevin, I think, um, you know, Dan brings up something interesting. I feel like that needs to be recognized and it's, you know, the number of girls both within, you know, during over the course of this movement, let's say three years, but also long before that, who have really served this sport so, so well, all while knowing that in their careers, they weren't ever going to see a sanctioned state championship. How important were, were those girls along the way to giving this sport credibility, to making it more mainstream than it was, to making it uh, acceptable uh, in, in their various parts of the state? You think about the Montana Delauders and, and people like that. Um, how important have those, you know, and I, and I don't think it's overstating it to call them pioneers. How important have they been in, in terms of bringing this movement along both in the last three years and before that? Well, I think in the last three years, we have some amazing, amazing role models across the Commonwealth that have really stepped up, but uh, not to keep tooting the uh, the same horn about John Mitchell, but I teach and had coached a long time in a neighboring district right outside of Lancaster City. Um, there were girls that were popping up for the last, I've been teaching and coaching 29 years uh, through the decades here. And when he was running those tournaments way back when, I was a junior high coach locally and I had three girls that I took over to his events back in the early 2000s. And I remember just being blown away at how intense the wrestling was um, and, and thinking, man, this is crazy. You know, and I, John, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Messiah might have had a club there or something at the one event. And I was just really impressed with the quality of the wrestling that was taking place. But um, like, like we've seen so often, you know, you get a little traction in elementary school, they hit middle school, puberty hits, and then all of a sudden it's not so much fun just getting pounded because you can't go um, pound for pound with somebody that's, that's uh, just got that straight in muscle tissue. And so they would leave. And I remember one girl of mine many years ago, Angie DeGrace being the first one that competed for me back around 2002, 2003, she's tough as nails, little, little one, 
um, and the, and the junior high about 80, 85 pounds, but she got to ninth grade and that was it. You know, she didn't want to do it anymore. So there's a lot of pioneers like her, I think that we have to give credit to. And then in recent years, you know, I think you, you have uh, Vale Baker who, who coaches with us in PA USA and, and Montana with Haynes out in Gettysburg has obviously been just an amazing role model uh, across the whole entire state. Um, you know, we, we've got so many recently great STEM. Uh, I know Lily sure has done a lot of work to, to publicize it through the years. And, and I could go on and on with some of the ones I've been lucky enough to get a chance to meet through the summers over the last few years. But yeah, the, the, there was probably a group in the last five years that I think showed this is not going anywhere and became more permanent names, not the unique girl that showed up a long time ago. And then everybody kind of wondered what happened to her because the sport just did not offer them the opportunity that, that it should. And um, I, I thought a lot about that in recent years because we've been so active with it here locally. And, and I sometimes feel bad about those few girls that I had 20 plus years ago and that we didn't have the right things to offer them at that time, but the system just wasn't there. And so to run into this group of people, um, you know, I'm lucky to be here locally in the Lancaster Lebanon League, to have Pat close by, to have uh, John close by. Um, got to know Chris and, and uh, Joe through PAUSA over the years. And then, you know, Dan and Brooke and, and Leah and uh, Shelby and, and the rest of them through the last couple of years. But yeah, it's, it's just been amazing. It's been an amazing thing to watch. And we have great role models that continue to be great role models at the collegiate level right now, too. Uh, John, everybody keeps mentioning you, so I guess I guess we'll uh, we'll stop bearing the lead here, and we'll just get right to you, the Godfather of girls wrestling uh, and PA. And I I think this is something that I came to appreciate a bit more at the celebration event at the Capitol, um, you know, earlier this month is is how far back this went, and I think how important your voice has been, you know, through this process in the early early days when momentum didn't really exist but you kept kind of chiseling away anyway. And it seems to me, you know, how you, you, you mentioned and you kind of framed yourself as almost like a, a pest or something, but every time there would be Lancaster Lebanon league wrestling talking points, you made sure girls wrestling was on it. And that mindset, I mean, that was the early part of sanction PA too. Right. And, and I think um, it's no coincidence to me that, that the epicenter of this is really in southeastern pennsylvania it's in this region it's coaches and and schools where they've been you know girls wrestling has been normalized uh by people like you how how important has that have those years and years and years of of trying to push this sport forward when you have momentum like this it seemed like it paid dividends at, at that point yeah for sure i mean I, I think much like many of the people on this call my my introduction to, to women's wrestling was through USA Wrestling. Uh, I was fortunate in 96 to be at uh, the US Open in Vegas. And I think that's where I was first introduced to, to women's wrestling with, you know, some hammers like Trisha Saunders and, and just the, the, the true pioneers in our sport. So in 97, I had a young lady come out for our high school team, and I think that's what made me open to that idea. And then just through a series of circumstances, I was fortunate enough to, to find opportunities. The, the first ever uh, national tournament, uh, folk-style national tournament uh, for high school that was held in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I had the opportunity to take girls to. And honestly, I think that's really what 
what kind of set the fire with me. I came back and said, this needs to happen in Pennsylvania. And I just, I've always been someone that kind of figures you need to, to handle your business closest to home and, and do what you can control locally. And so I started an event and then I, I, just pushed it with our local coaches association. And when I became the, the president of our coaches association, it was always on the agenda. And, and uh, so I think, you know, affectionately guys got to know me as the, the girls wrestling guy. Um, and then I too moved into a, a leadership role, uh, you know, around that time that Joe was talking about early 2000s when PA USA wrestling started talking about um, girls wrestling. I was uh, coaching with a guy, Ron Turpak, who was really active in the movement at the time and, and um, had the opportunity then to, to go out to Fargo that first year and, and again, just continue to develop. And then once I became an AD, kind of stepped away from it for a little while because I had some different different tasks and then actually stepped away from coaching and retired. And so once this kind of came back to the forefront with some of the things that, that Chris and, and Joe were doing, we started having these conversations again. Uh, it was great to really get back involved. And then to see that synergy when we had the conversation with Pat and to see those, the growth from those early conversations that, that Chris alluded to. So then we started just getting more organizations involved. And as Pat was saying, the synergy from collaborating and having so many organizations involved was so important to this. But again, my, my whole thought is control what you can control. And if we need to get teams, I was in the unique spot of being the athletic director, retired wrestling coach, advocate of girls wrestling in a school district that is all about diversity and inclusion. And so that's kind of where, you know, we jumped off. And as you were alluding to, to get from, you know, one to two and then to 10 and then to 25 seemed like it, it, it took a while, but then that 25 to hundred has just, I don't know that any of us have really seen that, but I, I can't say enough about everyone on this committee. My name keeps coming up, but I've just been so fortunate that, you know, this sport that, that I love, that we love, has really brought us all together. And I'm just so excited, uh, you know, to bring it to twice as many young people. I shared with somebody that we had about 55 kids on our high school wrestling team this year, 25 girls and 30 boys. And that's, you know, that's awesome. How can that not be great for wrestling? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you talk to Terry Steiner from the women's national team and some others who have, you know, some reservations going in about how do I coach girls or what, when there's girls in the room, how do I change this or, or, or do that? And I'm sure there's some acclimation involved, but I think that the output on the other side of it, as you're kind of talking about, is it, it has a really positive effect on everybody, doesn't it? How, however you can describe that when, when girls are excited and boys are excited and there's that joint thing. I mean, 55 wrestlers at McCaskey, whatever the breakdown is, is such a huge number, especially this day and age when nobody's getting, even 30 is a big number uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, the way things are going. So I think 
I think the the addition of girls wrestling has we we've seen it in practice and it's been it's been good for everybody. Um, and by the way, John, I want to say congratulations. I didn't get a chance to see you after Saturday's District Three Championships with two champs, man, and two two guys who look really really good, and and Kevin Oliveria and uh, and the Beast. Listen, I'm a, I'm about a step away from that stuff. That the credit goes to our our coaching staff at this point, but I'm extremely excited. I I was, you know, we're second generation now. I, I coached Jose's father, and uh, you know, I got to fly with Jose the very first time that he was in an airplane, and we went down to Copa Sparta in Puerto Rico, and it's been awesome to watch the development. And uh, you know, Kevin, he's a connection as well to down there, so it's it's. Uh, super nice and been since 78 since we had two district champions that that's awesome anytime anytime you do something that hasn't been done in almost 50 years uh you're, you're doing something well there um dan heckard i wanted to bring you back in because you brought this up and talking to john uh just kind of reminded me of it but the john mitchell budget model of adding girls wrestling i know at the time it felt like it was important to have somebody who could stretch a budget and who could show and prove you know, some suspicions because especially coming out of COVID, I'm sure budgetary restraints were a big deal for, for schools just trying to figure out what was going on, let alone add new stuff to their budget. But you mentioned the, the, the John Mitchell model. Has that been from your vantage point, just so important to be able to show and prove, you know, if you get creative, this doesn't have to be a deal breaker in terms of money. Oh, definitely. I, I think, you know, the majority of schools across the state that have formed a team have gone that route of, you know, and it goes back just to the wrestling mindset of we've had a lot of coaches step up and actually, you know, we're pulling double duty. You know, a lot of us are boys coaches as well, um, but we saw the need to, to step up and someone needed to, to be a leader. And, and, and you see it with multiple schools of that's how we're doing it is, you know, we're, we're already in the room. And, you know, if there's girls there, let's, let's take this opportunity and, and, and grow it with them. But yeah, the biggest thing was to show that we had to show numbers um, and that, you know, especially with our task force. And again, wrestlers, you know, we're, we're told to take challenges and, and, and meet them head, head on. So what's the difference as coaches um, and administrators, you know, we need to hit, hit this head on and, and, and challenge ourselves. And, and yeah, it's not going to be easy and it's going to take some extra work, but if we ever wanted to give this opportunity to these girls, um, we had to stick our necks out in the line for them and do what we had to do to create this opportunity. Um, and, and, and definitely there were a lot of schools that that was a big concern. Um, how, how do we add a new sport? Um, when we don't even know when we're going back to in-person school again, and to be able to look and, and present a model that, hey, we, we can do this with, with very little, you know, financial stake right away here of just let's let's create the infrastructure. Let's let's create the, uh, you know, that that burn, that ability for those girls to, to be together. And we'll show you that it grows. And then once we get to that point, then you can revisit it and, 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 and see what needs to be to be tweaked. Um, but it was it was very, you know. It was a groundbreaking to say, hey, let's let's utilize what PA knows how to do with wrestling um, and let's put it in the hands of, of coaches that, you know, are passionate about it. And, and that's what it comes down to is we started finding a lot of passionate coaches um, that were willing to kind of take on a little bit extra and, and, and do what needed to be done to, to get these girls 
you know, their, their opportunity and, and their day to, to shine just like the boys get. Chris, I want to bring you back in for uh, the vantage point of, all right, you sense that the world is beginning to lock down, right? This is, this is March. Uh, it's kind of not long after the state championship uh, event in both boys and girls, where you start to sense that the world's changing and it's changing in a big way. And not, I'm sure, you know, this movement isn't necessarily at the forefront of everybody's minds all the time, but when it comes to, um, you know, I don't know if there's anxiety or, or nervousness about how this is going to disrupt things maybe before it even got started. And then to what extent, maybe were you pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as big a disruption as it, as I thought it might've been. Yeah. Right out of the gate, everybody here will tell you that they got those emails and phone calls in April and May of that year. Like, listen, we, we can't worry about girls wrestling right now. Like that's nowhere near something uh, that we need to be concerned with right now. Um, and, and yeah, it was scary. It was, it was a nervous time. And, and obviously in the world, there was a lot going on, but it, it didn't mean the work stopped. Right. We, we kept the phone calls. We kept the emails. We kept um, trying to be as productive as possible to the community because we owed it to the girls community to do everything in our power to get through not only that world challenge, but, you know, the, the challenge of trying to get girls wrestling sanctioned in the state. And as the statistics show, as hard as it was, we were forming schools over that time. And, and like you said, we hit little pockets, right? So we, uh, you know, we get those first couple Lancaster Lebanon schools to form and it's like, wow, this is becoming a thing. And you get other schools to hop on board. You know, it took a little bit longer for me here in district one, but you know, I kind of networked, you know, the northern part of District 1, and we saw some momentum in the southern part of the Lehigh Valley. And it's like, listen, there's there's a lot of girls wrestling in this little region here. And I network with coaches, and it's like, come on, guys, get on board. You have girls. Like, you owe it to these girls to start a team, you know. And, and I always say, you know, with, with a lot of these coaches, it's like, you know, it's it's tricky to get them on board. But if you had a little girl at home, and she came to you and said, dad, I want to wrestle. Are you going to tell her no? Like that's, that's not even an option, right? So you have to do what's right for the girls in this community. And um, yeah, it, it was definitely a very challenging time, but it, it was, it was rewarding as well because we got a lot of work done during that time as well. We were able to get a lot of schools on board and keep that momentum going through like one of those major world challenges. Joe, let me ask you just, to, and I want to kind of bring it forward to where we are now. Um, I, I've spoken to most everybody else about this, but um, when you see that a hundred happens, what's your first thought? The first thought of um, excitement of achievement, you know, what, what do you think when this milestone that frankly, I, I, it didn't look impossible, but it, you, you kind of knew that this group had their work cut out for them to get to a hundred schools uh, when that actually happens um what what's what's your thinking who, who who are you talking to first about uh looking at this in celebration well <clears throat> i guess i was happy that we hit the hundred i also knew that there was you know not the end of the road that you know uh, maybe we weren't going to be called sanctioned pa but going forward we have to stay involved to to move this thing forward and maybe pick a number and whatever that number is it's not 437 but whatever that famous number would be I just think we we just had to 
be positive and keep moving along. And, and even though we achieved our goal, uh, I think that was only the first step of what we're, we're trying to achieve. And we want to, you know, we want to make Pennsylvania the best wrestling state, boys and girls. And now I think, you know, we hit our number and I think the girls are going to, you know, we're going to just keep moving forward and work harder to get that way. So. Kevin, I, I want along these lines, I wanted to get your thought on, uh, and I don't know if you can quantify it or just describe to me what opportunities look like right now in girls wrestling in terms of in-season tournaments and, and the growth there in terms of, you know, what you guys are, are putting together now with um, postseason events and regional events that lead up to and feed into the state tournament. But uh, could you just speak to what the opportunity landscape is now versus I'd, I'd say even one or two years ago and how much that helps in the process of, of, uh, of growth? Well, the opportunities now are almost overwhelming to a certain level. I think, you know, Chris Atkins and I, we've talked a little bit on the side that we have so many things popping up at times that now I think from the sanctioned PA standpoint, we want to be able to communicate and say, hey, let's be careful that we're not stepping on each other's toes, that we're being respectful of different regions and, and uh, each other's uh, organization in their backyard. Um, my first deep dive into this was six seasons ago when Beat the Streets Lancaster and Law started to offer the girls club. And that's when I got active with it. And um, I, I knew at that point, like part of what we needed to do was to really, because because we were already a, a USA club for the guys, we needed to get the girls moving towards the freestyle side of it um, with with that being part of their, their uh, opportunities at the collegiate level. So we have this world of folk style, like the guys through much of the uh, regular season, but we also have the freestyle side of it. And so I think if, if the coaches begin to understand that and the girls are able to wrap their brain around that, you know, starting in November all the way through July, and, and then again, a little bit feeding in the fall, there's, there's just unlimited amount of opportunities from the highest level at women's nationals to Fargo to RPA USA U14 team, which did phenomenally well the last couple of years. Um, they, they have really high goals to set their marks for. And then you see other opportunities locally where school districts are just, Hey, let's, let's offer a girls tournament. You know, I know central dolphin East started one a couple of years ago that they're still, they're still up and running a little bit more like on a beginner side. I see Kennerdale's got something going this weekend. It's just everywhere. Um, I think now it, it's a matter of the proper people, hopefully being like gatekeepers of that knowledge to be able to get that out to the local levels to the schools because i you know i there are a lot of people here in the local area where it's popped up real quick but there's still a lot of people who have many questions on like what do we do next like what does this look like and if i do want to move towards the pa usa side in the spring what does that entail so i think you, you know we we've got just a a good group of people here that can kind of share that information locally and across the entire state and uh and i agree with joe you know with the infrastructure being there i know I was blessed to to head out to Fargo with those guys back in 2019 for the first time. And I remember walking through there and just scratching my head going like, how, how come Pennsylvania is not up there at the very tippy top as good as we've been with the girls. I mean, with the guys, I'm sorry. Like in my mind, I just remember walking through Matt one that day. And I think Washington had won it that year too, for like the first time. And, you know, they, they've done a great job. And I'm like, boy, if we get this thing going in the right direction, like we, we could be up there with any state in the union, just like we are with the guys. So I think the opportunities are going to just continue to grow. Um, not every kid wants to be a, a world champion or be on an Olympic team, but some just want to have fun on a high school team. And I think there's room for every kid, every young lady that wants to participate to have that option for just their school team 
to maybe shooting to be uh, a world team member that comes from Pennsylvania, which I think is great. Brooke, I've got one more question. I'm, I, I saved it for you because I know how much you cherish the interview experience and you, you, you look forward to these opportunities. Um, and it's really just about what comes next, you know, and, and the complications of that, the challenges of that, the idea of balancing, you know, now managing a championship season while still trying to grow the sport, you know, the, the dual challenges, the idea of passing the baton to the PIAA and, and how involved you remain, you know, like I, you reach a hundred schools, you celebrate that you got the first of three readings um, passed by the PIAA. It's kind of here. Um, but then what, what are the immediate uh, next steps and challenges in terms of making sure that you're still progressing toward having a viable, uh, hopefully a high school season in 2023, 2024? Well, that's a great question. It's one that we are definitely focused on. It's on our minds because we did hit that 100 and then you have that little bit of, okay, what's, what do we do next? Um, so in the very immediate, like you mentioned, we have our eyes on the steering committee meeting in March. We have our eyes on the upcoming two PIAA board meetings. Um, we would expect those readings to pass since the first one did, but still don't count your chickens or eggs or something before they hatch. So you sound, um, you sound like Bob Lombardi now. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and anyway, go, go ahead. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so we need to get through that. And so really the immediate though, it's going to be interesting because obviously we're in this postseason crunch. You know, I think we're all so busy right now. It's, it's craziness till we get to States, but in my mind, after States, we actually have a pretty big task ahead of us between like the end of States and that date that that vote goes through and implementation happens because we have spent three years educating coaches, administrators, parents, the community on forming a team, but now we have to educate them on sanctioning. And there, there is a lot of overlap, luckily. I mean, teams that have formed, you know, they've been, they've been doing that by certain guidelines. So it's not like they were completely not following a PIAA protocol, but still there will be changes when sanctioning happens. And if that happens for next year, I think our next huge task is making sure that we just help communicate that information out. And we have had talks with the PIAA about some of what that could look like. So as you said, passing the baton, and it is going to be a bit of um, going down the list and figuring out, okay, what do you do now that I, that I don't do? Um, because some of it has to be on them, obviously. Like we're not, you know, Joe has done a great job, but he's hopefully not running states next year. Um, so there's those types of pieces we have to sort out, but we even talked about for the initial um, transition and sanctioning vote, both of us, like the PIAA and sanctioned PA putting out the same information and even the same document. So we are, you know, because the wrestling community knows us now, they're used to all the emails <laughs> and the communications <laughs> that we send out. And so even having some of those first few potentially be joint communications of, hey, we're both saying this, this is the information we're putting forth. Um, so I, I view this spring and summer as probably not a slow time, probably going back to the, the Zooms, the original Zooms of 2020 that kicked a lot of this off, but you know, offering that and just making sure people understand what happens 
when when sanctioning is is a real thing. Um, and then we have that view of, okay, so after that, and we're, we're truly sanctioned, what what does it look like? And again, some of those some of those pieces, the PIAA will take over. But I think there's a very, very core piece of what we've done. And I've I've been actually trying to reflect on it in terms of, you know, is it is it certain tasks or is it certain adjectives, I guess, that describe what we do and what keeps us focused? Um, you know, and there's a, you know, I think we've always wanted to do things thoroughly and with integrity, um, you know, and, and accuracy and just a bunch of other things. And that will continue, you know, that will continue and, and we'll continue to support schools however we can. Um, the process to forming a team will be different, but that doesn't mean we won't be there to support. Um, but again, those are some other conversations that are going to be had this spring to really know what will our communications with schools look like. But at the end of the day, we will be there in some capacity to, to provide that support and guidance. Um, we've worked a long time and worked hard, I think, to build trust and just relationships with that community. And so, um, you know, we're not going to we're not just going to disappear because that would really not um, really wouldn't be in line with what we've we've put out there. You know, we want we've told the community to rely on us. And so I think we want to continue to be a support for them. Pat Tassi, I'm going to give you the final word on this. We started with you. You sat here the longest without speaking again. So we're going to end That's with a you. Good here. Thing, right. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But uh, one thing that Brooke just said was when sanctioning happens. Uh, how, 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 like, I know there's, there's a ton of work to be done and it really ju is just beginning in some ways, but to be speaking in terms of whens and not ifs at this point, after this three-year journey, what's that like? I mean, it's definitely going to be exciting, but again, I think we know what that's, we still have a good task ahead of us for at least the next couple of years. And, you know, we've got to continue to build on the momentum that we have and you can't stop now. I think it's, as they say, you got to keep your gas, uh, what is it, gas pedal to the floor on this. And, you know, it's just changing what the game is now. Now it's, we don't have to continue to build. Now we've got to continue to grow and continue to educate. And I think we're going to get more and more questions and being there as that resource. And, you know, it's just, it's a really exciting time. And I think as you look back on this journey, I think there's so much to be you know, proud of. One of the things I think that was just to kind of take a half a step back to one of the things I think on this journey is, you know, we had wrestling people that were, you know, willing to take that risk. Or like I always said, who's going to be the first one to jump off the curb to get this going, which John was. And, but you also had other people that were visionaries as well. And I'll give, give you a good example of someone was like Ryan Landis, who's over at Hempfield now, who was at Warwick. You know, we like to joke, he's a basketball guy and you know, big basketball person, yet he got that Warwick program approved without a single girl, you know, in the program. He pretty much then moved over to Hempfield within a couple months of being at Hempfield and got it because he could see the vision of this and what was the right thing to do. And, you know, there's a lot of heroes within the wrestling community, but there's others as well that really could see and bought into what the vision of what this was. And, you know, now, now we got, we're going to get what we've been working for. It's exciting, but we now continue to grow and, you know, it's going to be pretty awesome next year to have a girl state championship and those girls earning a PIA state medal. Great way to end it there. The whole sanctioned PA crew. Thank you to Brooke Zumas, Chris Atkinson, Joe Stabilito, Daniel Heckert, 
Kevin Franklin, the godfather, John Mitchell. They call him modest John Mitchell, Pat Tossi. Leah Wright popped in for a quick moment uh, here and then, <laughs> then dipped out. I think I think something that somebody said turned her off as she had to leave. But um, I appreciate you guys being on here. Any if any if anybody had something that they wanted to say about this and didn't get an opportunity, uh, feel free. Feel free. This is this will be the last chance in uh, three, two, one here. So anybody, any closing thoughts from anybody else? All right. Yeah. Pat, you had the, you had the final word there. Thanks for tuning Thanks. in. We've got a lot of girls wrestling content planned uh, here on Penn live coming up throughout the month of March here. And uh, I thank everybody who joined us on this, uh, this episode. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time here on the Penn live wrestling podcast.